You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, and across the Lawton Podcast Network, we're doing a bunch of crossover episodes to do some sort of mock trade negotiations. And I went on with my friend Wes Goldberg of the Locked On Warriors podcast to discuss some of the recent stuff happening there with Bogdanovich in particular. So, sort of a fake negotiation throughout this podcast, as well as some just some overarching thoughts on the Warriors and the Hawks. Again, this is sort of formatted to be on the Warriors feed because uh, he was the one hosting the podcast, but I figured I would drop it in for you guys in case you wanted to listen to it. So um, you'll have definitely an, another episode. In fact, I'm recording this intro on Monday evening before the Hawks play the Clippers, but later on tonight into Tuesday morning, I'll have a full episode on that game plus all the trade rumor stuff. So that's all coming, I promise. But in the meantime, enjoy this episode. And here is Wes. All right, Wes Goldberg of Locked On Warriors here with Brad Roland of Locked On Hawks doing a mock trade negotiation, sort of a check-in on both teams where they stand a couple days here before the NBA trade deadline. And uh, Brad, there's been a lot of rumors now uh, about Bogdan Bogdanovich. Seems to be the name of the week, right, uh, in, in, in the trade rumor circles. Uh, and the Warriors were reportedly one of the teams that were interested in Bogdan Bogdanovich. And so wanted to just sort of get a sense of what a trade call might be like between the Warriors and the Hawks. But before we get to that kind of thing, uh, I know what the Warriors want to be want to accomplish, and it's pretty simple. Between now and the deadline, they're really building their team for next season because they don't have much flexibility in the offseason. They have a draft pick, which is really the only way that they could get better during the offseason. But for the most part, they're just trying to figure out pieces that make sense that fit on a roster next year when Steph Curry is there, Clay Thompson's back from the Achilles injury, Draymond Green, and you want to surround those kinds of guys with the types of players that can hopefully uh, vault them back into championship contention. So I think it's pretty simple cut and dry for the Warriors. The Hawks, meanwhile, are going through a coaching change. We think that they're good because they're on this win streak, but I don't know what you think about them. Uh, what, what are the Hawks trying to accomplish between now and the deadline? Yeah, it's really interesting. Honestly, they're in this place as we record this, that they've won the last eight games in a row. And they're also a team that's kind of spent most of its flexibility last offseason when nobody else was really spending. The Hawks went out and spent a lot of money and they clearly were trying to be better this year. Um, at the same time, they're still kind of a long-term team in some ways because their core is still pretty young. So there's all, this, all these sort of conflicting messages right now where I think one thing that everyone agrees on is that the Hawks are trying to be good right now on some level. They like to make the playoffs this season. That's definitely a goal of theirs. And if they can avoid the play-in, that's even better. Um, at the same time, a lot of their trade rumors have them setting out guys who are not, you know, either core pieces or like supplementary, supplementary core pieces. So they have all these interesting pieces. You know, John Collins is the biggest name that's been on the market. Um, but if you trade – some of these guys, they're probably going to get worse. And the Hawks don't seem to want to get worse. So it's this really interesting pivot point where, yeah, the long term is still more important than the short term, but the short term definitely matters to the parties involved. So uh, honestly, long answer, but I'm not exactly sure what they want to do in the next, in the next few days. <laughs> it's actually kind of interesting. The Warriors and the Hawks seem to be in a similar place where obviously the, the future is the priority. And I don't, even, I don't even really think it's a long-term future for either team. Like, the, the Warriors want to be back into championship contention next year. It seems like the Hawks really are just 
eager to make that leap to bona fide playoff team in the East, right? And so they want that to happen as soon as possible. And in the meantime, they have some interesting pieces that they can move this year. Maybe it requires a, a step back to just take two steps forward next season or something like that. Uh, and and when, it, when it comes to the Hawks, correct me if I'm wrong, but they used up all this cap space this past summer because they didn't anticipate having it because they have so many players due for extensions and things like that. John Collins being one of those players where if they did, they maybe felt like if they didn't use that cap space, it would just evaporate and they wouldn't have these pieces. So a guy like Bogdanovich seems like a nice fit on paper with Trey Young and the rest of this group, but ultimately just could be a, a trade piece that they otherwise wouldn't have had if they had waited to use the cap space. Yeah, they could have waited one more year and had space in 2021. That was the last time, though, to your point, that they were going to have space. You know, Trey Young is going to get a max extension, all that stuff. And uh, they could have waited, but at, at the same time, like I said before, they wanted to get better this year. They were sort of um, not happy with what things went last year. They kind of um, neglected their supporting pieces so much that the supporting cast was so bad last year they just couldn't win, and they wanted to rectify that to make some guys happy, including the owner. So it's interesting, uh, to your point about, about Bogdanovich, they spent on him, but him popping the trade rumors is kind of interesting because they just brought him in on a deal that certainly was market value or higher because he was on an offer sheet and you kind of have to overpay. But other than that, I'm not sure they're married to him long-term and the rumblings right now indicate that they probably are not necessarily like fully married to him. So it's kind of a weird time because they just signed the guy. And a lot of the questions that I've gotten in the last day or so are like, wait, the Hawks just signed him. Why why are they going to try to trade him? And it might've been an asset play on some level. Maybe that Madonovich um, was just kind of a, let's grab this guy now while we can get him and maybe figure it out later if we don't love him. So we've kind of covered a couple of the guys that are quote unquote on the trade block. And, and, you know, that's, that kind of gets thrown around as, as this sort of, as this term, like whether you're on the trade block or not, sometimes players have one foot in the trade block and one foot not, you know what I mean? It's, it's not an exact science, but uh, obviously the Hawks are listening to offers for Bogdanovich. The Warriors are listening on offers for Kelly Oubre. And, and that kind of is their main asset. They're an inter- They're one of these teams, right? Where most of their salaries are either really, really big or really, really small, kind of like the Boston Celtics and why the Celtics have had such a hard time getting trades done in the past. And really the only guy that, is ever named in trade rumors for Boston is Marcus Smart because he's got that that salary that just fits uh, uh, what what would be a tradable salary. And for the Warriors, they're Marcus Smart. Mark, they're Marcus Smart. I almost did it in a Boston accent, Brad. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Marcus Smart uh, contract is Kelly Oubre, right? And so that's the name that keeps getting tossed around. Um, and like I said, they're listening. They're listening on offers on Oubre. But um, for for the Hawks, before we move on to, you know, what a price for Bogdanovich would be or what a price for Kelly Oubre might be and what a trade might look like. Anybody else that we should be thinking about in, as far as Atlanta? There's Cam Reddish, his, his name has been out there. What's the latest on him? Yeah, that was a little bit more surprising. The Hawks are, you know, have thought to be, and at least in what I have heard for a long time, kind of been in love with Reddish since even before the draft. But he's been out of the rotation because he's been hurt this year. Um, He's been hurt and kind of shaky when he was playing. They love his defense. They think he has high upside. But um, it's at least eyebrow raising that he's now been linked a few different times in the last couple of weeks to trade stuff. He is relatively cheap also. And that's sort of of the opposite of what – well, kind of – it's kind of the same thing that you were saying with the Warriors is that the Hawks – have some middle tier salaries, but all the guys that they're looking to potentially trade other than Madonovich are all really cheap. Like even John Collins, who's this big ticket item makes $4 million this year. So it's kind of interesting. They have to package some stuff together. 
Reddish is weird because he's also hurt right now on top of everything else. So I don't know what his market is. I know the Hawks probably still like him from all indications, but he seems to be more available than I would have thought. Yeah. And then there's Collins, who's sort of in a different tier. Uh, there was, I think, a couple of like faint Warriors rumblings at one point that were out there, but that seems to have cooled. And it's kind of interesting because I'm not sure what they would have done. It probably would have required a pretty big asset to get him, and I'm not sure they want to do that. So, uh, yeah, the Hawks are just like kind of open for business other than Trey Young, DeAndre Hunter, and Clint Capella, it seems like. Everybody else would be at least tangentially available, but the guys who have been rumbling in the last couple of days are Bogdanovich and Reddish with a little bit of a tinge of Kevin Herter and John Collins. So the thing with the Warriors, too, um, I, I mentioned the big salaries. You have Steph, Draymond, Clay. Those are also players that they're not in any rush to move off of, right? They're, and so the other big salary is Andrew Wiggins, and I think you know Warriors fans would be okay trading Wiggins for the right player. I, and Wiggins has definitely had a little bit of a renaissance this year uh, for the Warriors, but I don't think so much so that he has any sort of notable trade value, especially at that almost $30 million price tag that he's going to have. I just I don't see him garnering much interest from around the league. So really what you're talking about from the Warriors, you got some other bit players, right? You've got Jordan Poole, who's been nice the last couple of weeks for them. Maybe looks like a long-term piece. I just don't know how much trade value he really has. Uh, Eric Paschal had a really good rookie year. Maybe for the right team would be interested in a, in a tweener, four or five, a guy who can, you know, play some small ball lineups for you and, and get, get you some buckets off the bench um, and is, you know, developing defensively. And then uh, that's really it. I, I don't like other than uh, as far as players go. And then obviously the big trade ship they have is the top three protected pick coming over from Minnesota this year, which is then unprotected in 2022. So this is a very valuable uh, piece because Minnesota is very, very not good. And there's a 60% chance that that ends up at number four or five in a loaded 2021 draft class. Now that said, I don't know that Atlanta has anything that would warrant the, the Minnesota pick other than Trey young or something like that. And that's not happening. So, um, you know, I, I don't know that that pick would necessarily be in play for the purposes of the conversation that we're, we're about to have. But that pretty much covers all of the, I think, the trade assets and the things that we're, we're going to talk about. So let's go ahead and do that after this break. All right. So I, what I wanted to really talk about with you, Brad, was Bogdan Bogdanovich, because I think, first of all, he'll be a home run fit for the Warriors. Uh, if you had to basically swap Ubre for Bogdanovich, and that's not what would have to happen, but in essence, if you could do that, you would be losing a little bit defensively from what, what you're getting with Ubre, But I think Bogdanovich is a, is a pretty good defender. He at least competes really hard, and that's half the battle during the regular season at least. He's a, he's a knockdown open shooter. And to me, what's so, so interesting about Bogdanovich is, is his ability to play, make, handle the ball, slash and kick, and do these things is an element that the Warriors really desperately need. And when you look again to next year, and what they could use off the bench in that kind of six-man role, I think a player like Bogdanovich would serve them much better in that kind of role, uh, being able to sort of lead a second-unit offense and then play alongside Steph and Draymond and these guys more than even what Kelly Oubre would do, despite Kelly Oubre having a really nice season for them so far. Yeah, I think Bogdanovich would fit well there with what he does well. And you mentioned the defense. I think he's been underrated defensively. He's not great by any means, but he's pretty big and pretty long compared yeah. to what you might think. Six, six, um, six, eleven wingspan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, and he's kind of, he's pretty strong too. Like he's, he's a fully developed, you know, he's 28. He's not this like young kid that you might think for only playing, you know, four years in the league before this year, uh, sorry, three years before this year, this is his fourth season in the NBA, but he was obviously older when he came over. So yeah, I think he would check a lot of boxes. He's a willing ball mover, like you said. Um, and yeah, it's, he also gets a trade. He has a trade kicker, which is interesting because he just signed this contract. Mm. Um, 
presumably to maximize his financial stuff because he was on the market, the Kings, uh, he wanted to get out of Sacramento for sure. But um, whether he's married to Atlanta or not, like his own investment, I guess it doesn't matter necessarily because he's not, he's under contract, but he does get a little bit of a, of a, of a financial bump if he's traded. So I'm sure he wouldn't be too upset to go to the, to go to golden state and actually get some extra money. Um, and then you have, you know, Uber, Uber coming back. Well, you, you mentioned the defensive thing there too. And I want to piggyback on that because yeah. in my comments today, I've gotten people say, Oh, why would you ever trade Uber? Who's so good defensively for a turnstile on offense. I'm like, or on defense in Bogdanovich. I'm like, where does that obviously, yeah, and I'm not blaming anybody for not watching Sacramento Kings games. when Bogdanovich was there. Like I would never say that you should go watch a Kings game, but <laughs> uh, it just, but you know, just don't say stuff like that. If you haven't watched a Kings game, right. I mean, he's, I think a really competitive defender. I was, I, I think he is very, very underrated. I don't know if it's just like the white European thing. I, I don't know if that's just it's that. I, I'm yeah. pretty sure it's that. I mean, I, I had the same thing when the Hawks were looking into him and then when they finally ended up signing him, there was this thought that he was this terrible defender and it's just not the case. Again, he's not, he's not a big plus, but I think he's about average. And yeah. given what he, what he, what can, what he can do on offense, you'll take average, especially because he's pretty versatile as well. So I, I'm with you on this one. He is, uh, again, not going to change your life defensively, but he's not a guy that you can just attack relentlessly. Like, he's just fine. How do you think Oubre would fit in on Atlanta? Uh, it would be interesting. Um, that's the part where I don't know what they would want out of that. Like, I, I've always kind of sneakily liked Kelly Oubre, mm-hmm. um, dating back to the draft. Um, Me too. Actually, he could have been a Hawk back then. Um, that The pick that the Hawks traded actually ended up being Kelly Oubre um, in, that, in that class where he was drafted. But the contract's kind of weird. Uh, you would know this more than I do, but I, I don't know what his market's supposed to be after this season. Like, you're, you're getting an expiring contract, which the Hawks wouldn't have a problem paying him, but I'm not entirely sure that they want to be, you know, tied in that way whereas the i'm sure I, this actually appeals to the Warriors. i'm sure to have that security of my dominatory contract you know the hawks have the ability to pay him whatever they want they're gonna be over the cap probably anyway so it wouldn't matter too much but he does you know he's kind of a he's younger clearly but the hawks have their small four in the future with deandre hunter already in place so uber is definitely more of a three i would imagine unless you know, maybe you disagree with me but well um, the, the warriors are playing him at the two and i've been pleasantly surprised with how he's guarded other point guards right they've they've basically played him at the clay thompson spot where yeah. you're having you're gonna have clay start on the opposing point guard if, if the point guard warrants that kind of attention and so uh and he's been surprisingly good like he's got that that seven foot wingspan he's a, and, and that lateral quickness so he's able to sort of corral these guys coming off of screens and things like that so i think the i think the hawks could find success playing and playing him at the two but really what you're talking about i mean no team switches more on defense than the warriors and that would be the sort of thing you'd be able to unlock with a guy like Ubre because he can just switch across most positions well, and, and that's the thing about the Hawks is that there are allowances that they can do that with, but they're not going to be a huge switching team with their current personnel. Right. Like Trey Young, not a switch guy. Click Capella can do a little bit of that for a center, but ideally not necessarily a switch guy. So the Hawks can do that on their second unit for sure. That's why they have a couple of pieces that they have. They're pretty like sized and there's some allowances that would be fun. But I think Uber also kind of overlaps with the guy like Cam Reddish that we talked about earlier, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, not that they couldn't use Kelly Oubre because you, you can kind of never have too many wings, but I think fit wise with what they already have on their roster but Donovich is a better fit in Atlanta than Ubre would be which I'm obviously he would be a better fit in, in Golden State as well but uh, I think just overall I would say that the Hawks would be getting worse in the present by going from Donovich to Ubre. it would be more of a bet on maybe they want to reset things they, they don't love that Donovich contract or they just like Ubre. and I, I'm not sure if that's the case or not but it would be an interesting sort of sell moment for this Hawks team to move on from Adonovich after just, after just paying him. 
Right. Or maybe there's some other sort of asset that's attached to Ubre that makes it worthwhile or something like that. But it would almost have to be. I, right. I can't imagine. Honestly, I can't imagine them doing the one for one just because of where they are right now. And you, you mentioned before, like, I think actually Eric Pascal would be, would be pretty interesting for this Hawks team if they trade John Collins. Mm. And if they, if they didn't trade John Collins, I'm not really sure what that looks like. But that's kind of, and that's the biggest, honestly, on my side of things is the Collins dynamic, which is separate of this podcast. But that's kind of like the number one question to be answered. Yeah. But all, all the other assets, like obviously the Wolves picks off the table. Jordan Poole, I've always loved. I'm a Michigan guy, so go Jordan oh, Poole. There you go. But uh, not, a good, not, not a guy that I think the Hawks should be in love with as a, as a sweetener asset. So that's kind of the trouble is like, I, I don't think the Hawks would do a Bogdanovich for Ubre swap. And I'm not sure what the sweetener would be. Right. And, and it's worth kind of harping on the contract situation again, because you're absolutely right. The thing with the Warriors, they like Keller Oubre. And my sense is that they'd be willing to pay around $20 million a year to bring him back. And that's probably what he's going to get at the open market. That's not guaranteed yeah. that even if you offered that to Oubre, he would come back because he's going to go back to the bench next year. He spent most of his career in, a, in the second unit coming off the bench until last year, breaking through with Phoenix and becoming a starter for them. They move off of him. He goes to the Warriors. He's the spot starter in place of Clay Thompson after the Achilles tear. But he's going to – I don't know that he's all that motivated to come off the bench again, even for a Warriors team where he's sort of making things work and they can have playoff aspirations. Because if you can go get that same money in New York or something and start, then, you know, nobody would blame him for going and doing that. So I think that would be – you know, the, the gamble that the Warriors may not want to take. And in regards to Bogdanovich, you don't have to worry about that. He's under contract. He's making, what, $18 million uh, a year. That's probably be about or maybe even a little bit less than what you ended up having to pay Ubre. So financially it works. Security it works. Uh, and then maybe if you're Atlanta, like you said, maybe you're trying to sell because you're not in love with this contract anymore or whatever it is. Uh, it might just, when it comes down to it, the move might be saying, hey, let's get like some pretty decent, talented young players with salaries that just kind of work for where we are currently in our franchise uh, building moments that, that we're dealing with. Maybe it would be something like that. But we should talk about these actual negotiations. We're going to do that right after this. All right, Brad, you mentioned there Eric Paschal as a uh, potential sweetener piece. And that to me is interesting because it would give you a little bit of insurance depending on what happens with John Collins, right? So and, and you mentioned like it would make sense if they move trade Con- or if they move John Collins, but Eric Pascal is not an expensive player. He's a good locker room guy. Wouldn't really hurt if you just had him, you know, in addition to John Collins, regardless of what happens with Collins, you know, and then if something does, you at least have somebody that can do a little bit of a John Collins impression, uh, at least for positionally. And so maybe that's where the negotiation would start would be Kelly Oubre and Eric Pascal. And I, I believe that the Warriors would have to throw in, another type of filler salary, like a Brad Wanamaker, or if you really were, you know, interested in a reunion with Kent Bazemore, I'm sure that they would mind himself. making that happen. Right. So that's really where we would start. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like that is the most natural deal, quite honestly. And I, I'm also just not, I'm not overwhelmed by that. And I, I'm not sure the Hawks would be either. Again, it comes down to what you think about Ubre and whether you want to pay mm-hmm. him the next contract, because both these teams are in this spot where, uh, they're not winning the title this year. That's very obvious on both sides. Uh, and, you know, you're getting one season of Kelly Oubre. And if you, if the Hawks do this, for instance, you know, you kind of feel like you have to resign Kelly Oubre. It doesn't mean that you have to do it at any cost. But if you suddenly trade Bogdanovich and then Oubre walks for nothing, it's going to seem pretty uh, not ideal, I would say. Especially for a team that's not going to have massive cap space if he leaves. So that, that's what it comes down to. And for me, I'm just not like, I'm not there 
as as the Hawks. Again, this is just my opinion, not the not the one of Travis Schlenk, but it, it's a situation where I, I would not be – with what the Hawks already have right now, that's not enough for me to send Bogdanovich out. Even even with the caveat that Bogdanovich may be – honestly, there's a chance he's overpaid. Not not by a lot, but mm-hmm. that was a, that's the kind of deal where the Hawks clearly gave him a number to make the Kings uncomfortable. And I thought it was appropriate, but it's got a four-through player option and the trade kicker, all that stuff. So maybe that's a small part of this negotiation is like maybe you, the Hawks might see him as slightly negative salary, but even then you're trading for one year of a guy who is probably appropriately, uh, appropriately paid in, in his own right. And Pascal is a nice sweetener, but he's probably not going to be enough to get it done for me. Yeah. So if I'm, if I'm selling you, if I'm the Warriors, I'm selling <laughs> you. And, um, I w- and I should say this. Um, when, these, when I saw these rumors, I did a little bit of poking around, reached out to some front office people, and they basically said that the Hawks' price for Bogdanovich is very, very high. And I don't think that that's a surprise to you. I have also but, heard that, yes. Yeah, and <laughs> so uh, I don't know that Ubre and Pascal and you know Brad Wanamaker to make the salaries work would be enough for Atlanta. It doesn't sound like it. That, that said, if I'm, trying to, if I'm the Warriors trying to sell the, the Hawks on Kelly Ubre, I would say he's three years younger than Bogdanovich. You can get him in maybe a more uh fair market price right because you're not dealing with the 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 warts of restricted free agency and all the the weird wrinkles that come with that you're just you're entering unrestricted free agency market value is what kelly Oubre is going to get and so you're not and and so you're not trying to like you know do all that restricted free agency so you might get him on a better fair contract uh that you can more decide for yourself and again he's three years younger and then you know this is a hawks team that has not been good defensively for quite a long time and Ubre is definitely a positive on that end and would allow you to do all these different things on defense like we talked about that you can't necessarily do with Bogdanovich. And while I think Bogdanovich is probably the better player in a vacuum, um, you have Trey Young, you have Clint Capella, you have Danilo Gallinari, you have DeAndre Hunter, you have guys who can get things done for you on the offensive end where maybe you could use a little bit more of a defensive oomph, maybe a little bit more of a uh, after you know the whole thing with uh, Lloyd Pierce and where this team is going. You might need a guy that brings the, the, that relentless energy that Kelly Oubre brings, you know, in a, every single game in the regular season. Like the dog days of the regular season do not exist for Kelly Oubre. And so, uh, you know, that kind of thing is really strong for a locker room where Bogdanovich might not be all that happy in Atlanta right now either. That would be the sell. Yeah, that was a, that was a good job. I thought that was Thanks. nice. I used to be in sales. I, yeah. I, I appreciated that uh, that sales pitch. Uh, like you said, I think the Austin price is going to be pretty high for Bodanovich. That's what I've heard. Now, granted, that could be spin. It's uh, it's still early, and uh, you know, yes. whatever whatever's out there on Monday, Tuesday, it's not always the same thing on Thursday. But I, I just don't think the fit is there, honestly, for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I'm probably higher on Ubre than most people, which is ironic, um, given that I'm not um, sold on this deal necessarily. But um, I think the Hawks would have to be pretty sour on Bogdanovich versus where they were six months ago to do this trade. And I, I don't think there's any evidence of that. Yes, he had sort of, he sort of, he had sort of a slow start and got injured, but now that he's back, he looks fine. Um, and I think with where the Hawks are, it might be an easier sell, honestly, if Uber was a restricted free agent, but because he's not like, he's obviously, he, he's of the age of many RFA guys and he's not, he's not, he's, he's actually just an open market guy. That might be a, a, a swing point just because he can leave. I mean, like you said, if, if New York comes calling, Kelly Oubre has big interests. Isn't he a fashion guy? I think he is. Yes. Um, like he might want to go to New York for whatever price, even if it's cheaper. Like that kind of stuff might happen. And when you go into um, UFA, like anything can happen. And that risk is also a little bit tricky for the Hawks, I think. 
if I reach into my pocket and find some loose future second round picks, would that be enough? <laughs> I, I don't think so. I don't think that's okay. going to get it done for this, uh, this, this team that's uh, maybe not full on win now mode, but kind of in a win now mode. Um, those seconds are not going to do the thing. I, I, don't, I don't think. Uh, well, I think that's, this is pretty much where the negotiations would end up if, I think if so. they have an extended you know, 20, 30-minute phone call like we just did. So It's um, kind of the only thing they could be, honestly. I mean, yeah. now that we did all that, it really is the only deal that I, – I mean, maybe you disagree, but I, I can't see another package on either side for, for Bogdanovich that no. makes any sense. It kind of has to be Ubre and Pascal or Ubre and Poole maybe. Other than that, like, that's kind of it. Yeah, you don't really want to. You're not. First of all, the Minnesota pick's not going to be on the table. Right. If it were, Obviously. you would you would pull the trigger. And if, yes. And Andrew Wiggins, you, now you're just. It's a different kind of trade we're talking about because now Atlanta needs to build salary, and I don't know that. Like, what are we talking about then? Like Bogdanovich and you know expi- Tony Snell's expiring. Yeah, Bogdanovich and Snell, there. but yeah. like I, I would I would I would rather have Bogdanovich and Snell than Andrew Wiggins' contract at thirty yeah. plus million. You'd probably rather years. have. And if you had to trade Bogdanovich, you would probably take Ubre and and deal with the unrestricted free agency than than what it is. I, I would certainly Wiggins. rather have Ubre than Wiggins on his deal. And like yeah. you said earlier, Wiggins has been better than expected this season. I think he's actually not a huge like problem, but it's just a lot of money, man. <laughs> it's just a lot of money. That's it. Um, all right. Well, then that that was a good good talk and i actually would like to point out this is the reason why we do these things is because when you really start when you it's so easy to for somebody to just kind of go into the trade machine and punch things in like hey that works let's call it into the league office let's do it yeah. where when you really start talking through what both of these teams want and what their needs are you kind of end up at a place where you know what this sort of makes sense but just doesn't quite make enough sense for either team to really pull the trigger on it and i think that's just where both of these teams are going to end up uh, if and when these sort of conversations happen. So uh, Brad Rowland, host of Locked on Hawks. Remember to subscribe uh, to Locked on Hawks wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest on the Hawks every day, especially during this huge week of the trade deadline. Please do the same for Locked on Warriors. Five-star reviews, the whole nine yards, do it all. Um, and thanks for listening. Thanks for joining me, Brad. Thanks, Wes.